Well, welcome everybody. It's great to have you back here tonight. Appreciate you coming. If you want to turn your chair around, you can do that. If you'd like not to do that, you can do that too. Well, welcome to shh, 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 shh. welcome to the midway point of Alpha. Hey, congratulations. How many of you thought you'd make it this far? Come on, be honest. Okay, you really? Well, wow. So about four people thought they'd make it this far. That's great. Well, tonight, I'm very excited about this evening. Um, if you're coming back, um, I mean, there's multiple reasons. There's, there's nothing on TV yet. There's a, there's a writer's strike, and so everything's reruns, right? Um, secondly, the food is really good. Keith just told me that's why he's here. Uh, and, um, but more than likely, it's because you're actually, maybe, possibly, probably thinking about stuff you may have never thought seriously about, or it's been a long time. And the, the question that, that comes before me is, is, I think the question that comes before all of us is, if I could have a conversation uh, with a God that I cannot see, uh, cannot hear with my, see with my physical eyes or hear with my, my physical ears, um, but I'm supposed to communicate to, if that God does exist, what do I do? Well, if, there, if the God of the Bible does exist, he says he is here and he is not silent. That he does care and he has proven it. If the Bible's true, then that would be true. And so I, I would encourage us, even tonight as you're sitting where you are, thinking whatever you may be thinking, Hopefully it's about not what's happening tomorrow or what you have to do when you get home. But just being right here. One of my most difficult things to do is to be where I am. Not, did you hear what I'm saying? Just to be where I am. And I just want to encourage us tonight just to relax where you are. Just be where you are. Think where you are. Disagree where you are, but be open to having your mind changed from where you are to where you may be. Because I'm, I'm just reporting. I'm just reporting what's in the Bible. I'm not, I, this is not important because I believe this. What the Alpha Course is all about is giving us an opportunity to find out what is in the Bible is there a God? If there is, what does he have to say to me? And so tonight, I'd like to do this. I've never done this before. But I'd just like to open in a very brief prayer. And this is going to what the prayer is. I'm just going to tell you what the prayer is before we pray it. God, if you're there, and I'm not sure if you are. Or God, if you're there, and I believe that you're there. But God, if you're there and you care, and I don't know why you would when I look back at my life. I want to know the truth. And if you're there, I'm asking you to reveal yourself to me. I think that's a fair prayer. And so I'd like to pray that right now. And if you want to pray that prayer with your eyes open, that's good. Because it's not more of a prayer if your eyes closed. It's just, prayer is just talking to God if he is there. If he's not there, it's just talking to the acoustical tiles. That's what that is. So... 
Let's pray for a second. God, uh, if you're there, now Lord, I, I believe you are. That doesn't mean that you are. But if you're there and you care for me, if Jesus really did do what the Bible says he did, and you love me that much, I want to know that. And I believe if you are God, you want me to know that, or I wouldn't be sitting here. And so I'm asking you, humbly, to open my eyes and my heart and my ears to the truth, if this is the truth. Amen. Amen. Okay. Well, that was not uh, something we've done before, but we're doing. But welcome again to week four of the Alpha Course. Now, tonight's topic is how can we have faith, which I, I've told you so many times. Uh, I don't like this. I don't like this title because we all have faith. We all come here. Whether you are a devout atheist or a devout spiritualist, you have faith. So tonight I'd rather call, how can I be sure about what I believe? Can I be sure about what I believe? And look, through our lives, we've believed some interesting things. I, I, I would imagine that maybe what you believed as a kid, you don't believe now. And that what you, your worldview, your philosophy may have changed a multiplicity of times that brings you to where you are here tonight. And they're probably, probably based off what we talked about here, this, this particular model of religion that we've talked about before. So last week we talked about this, that every religion in the world, every religion with the exception of biblical Christianity says that man is here, God is here, and it is incumbent upon man to put together a record of performance that in his mind, her mind, validates him or her before God, whoever that may be. Some of these are very organized religions, whether it's Islam or Hinduism or Mormonism, whatever it may be, but we are basing our relationship with whoever this God may be on our ability to perform at a level that will make us acceptable to him. So basically, if we keep the rules, God will have to accept us. Now, the problem is, I don't even keep the rules that I make for myself, much, and much less any organized rules. You ever do that? You make New Year's resolutions? I'm not going to eat that. I am going to exercise this many times. I am going to change this and that. And we don't even keep the rules that we make for ourselves. And yet, how many of us really love rules? Well, I, I do love rules. I love rules for other people. Right? So that they have to do what I want them to do. That doesn't, I don't love rules for me, but I love rules for you. So you just stay out of my way. And that's, what, and that, that's very helpful to me. But um, here are some rules. I want to share with you some rules that prove rules are meant to be broken. Now, these rules are from the actual Arlington Gateway Hotel. If you ever go there, 801 North Glebe Road in Arlington, Virginia. These are the actual pool rules. I took this with my cell phone. You'll tell by the grainy consistency. Here's the first pool rule. Are you ready? If you've had diarrhea in the past two weeks, please do not use the pool. 
Well, I'm, my first question is, please do not use the pool for what is what I'm, I'm concerned about. Uh, second pool rule, shower your child. Who doesn't do this? Shower your child and yourself before entering the pool or after using the toilet. I mean, who needs to know that? Third pool rule, bathers who are not toilet trained or incontinent. I guess that means they live inside the United States. I'm not sure. Incontinent. Why is that that word? Would somebody tell me? Maybe there's a doctor here. Um, a d must wear a swim diaper. I'm sure they're checking. Okay, so... Um, and then the fourth rule, which proves they don't expect you to, believe, to, to follow any of the other rules at all. Do not drink the pool water. <laughs> so, so rules are expected, I guess, to be, be broken. But last week we talked about scriptures that present a challenge to us. They really do. If the scripture is true, these are challenging Challenging uh, verses from the Bible. All have sinned. All. That word all. That means every one of us have sinned and come short of that. The glory of God or just to make that more manageable in our thinking. That which is acceptable to God. Every one of us have. Whether we've lied or stolen or cheated. Whatever we may have done. We've all done that. And as a result of that, we have all fallen short of that which is acceptable to God. We've sinned is what the Bible calls that. Just means missing the mark, missing that mark of perfection. And the result of that is we're separated from God. And then Paul goes on to write to the Romans as well, the first century Roman church. As I said last week, this has nothing to do with the denomination of Roman Catholicism at all. But none is righteous, not even one. None is innocent for God, before God. None is just before God. Every one of us is guilty before God is what the Bible says. And if the Bible's true, then guess what? That's true. That's true. I got to face that. That's, that's not necessarily the news that I would want to hear. And then last week, if you were here last week, if you weren't here last week, um, you'll have to have somebody tell you later. But remember the TV monitor that, 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 you know, even if we don't say it or do it, we think it, that if people could just see our thoughts, um, the world would not exist right now. Roaches would maybe exist. That would be all. But we would be, uh, there'd be nothing left of us. Um, so, uh, but it's universal. We humans, we develop and we design a view of God where we define how good we need to be based on our own, as I coined this word for us last week, our own meology. Okay, my meology is now making God in my own image into determining how God has to be if I'm going to accept him. So again, here we go. Here's meological religion. Okay, man here, God here. Some of us are better than others. Okay, so some people may just they may live their lives, you know, in nonprofit organizations and feeding the poor and doing all these other things. And then some people may just not be very good at all. They may just do bad things their whole lives. But it, the question is, how good is good enough? Really, think about that. Again, now, so tonight our topic is, can I be sure? And what I want us to be thinking about, I want to be thinking about as well is, can I, how sure and secure am I with this model of Logic, pardon me, this model of religion. So let's say somebody jumps in. Let's say this is uh, San Diego and this is Honolulu. Okay? 
Well, somebody may make it 20 miles and we may applaud them making it 20 miles. And some person may just barely make it off the beach, maybe a block or two. How many of them failed to get to Honolulu? Yeah, that would be all of them. Somebody may have been a little better than the other guy, but maybe not. And so the issue is really not even how good you think you are. You may think, you know, I'm, I'm not a bad person. This is, this is universal. I'm not really that bad of a person. That may have come out of your mouth. I know it came out of my mouth. I'm certainly better than all you people in here. I know that for sure. Well, I don't know all of you yet, but I'm pretty sure. The guys in the back, I am perfectly certain about it. <laughs> so, um, so, so we, do we see this? The issue is how good? How good do, do we have to be? Some of us think we're just too good. I don't, I don't need God. Here, and here's the thing. If I can save myself through my religious works or good works, maybe my non-religious good works or good works, who's my savior? You ready to point the finger back at yourself? You are your savior. How do you feel about being your own savior? Well, I hope you're not feeling really good about that. But, but how secure does that make you feel? How, how certain about life in the dash and life on the other side of your last heartbeat? Um, sure, we may say we believe in God, but do we really live like we believe in God? And how often do we live like? Do we live like? How good do I have to really be? How, how close can I get and God just come and grab me and maybe pull to me the rest of the way? So the Bible uh, just has a different thought. So I want to give, give you a couple of examples here about the way I thought, maybe the way you thought in terms of some examples of, of how God could possibly accept us based on this religious model. Maybe, possibly God grades on a curve, okay? Um, he's not going to flunk the whole class, right? He's just kind of got to flunk everybody. So, you know, here's fail, here's pass. And, um, and you just hope you live your life good enough to where, you know, you, you just hopefully get at least to the other side of the 50%. And now, the, let me just tell you, the best way to do that is to hang out with really bad people. And just don't be quite as bad as they are, okay? So, but again, can, can you be sure through this model? Who sets the curve? Who, let me ask you. Who sets the curve? I set the curve. <laughs> really? Am I going to flunk myself? Really? So, so again, if, if I'm looking to be secure or certain of what I believe, I'm going to have to be the arbiter of total truth. So maybe this, though. Maybe in heaven there are scales. Okay? And, and you go to heaven and... Your good works and your bad works kind of get put on the scales. And so here's your, you know, here are all the bad things that you've done, okay? And uh, if there's nothing showing up here, that's not a good feeling. Uh, but let's just say there's a few things here. How, how are you feeling right now if this is your scale? Feeling real confident? Confident maybe about going the direction you don't want to go, possibly. Uh, well, how about here? Or how about here? Okay, so, but here's the question. What's to say that when you did those good things, your motives were right? Right? You got this old aunt, and you know what? You go to her house every week to help clean up and 
you know, take her to the grocery store and everything else. But if I could get on your TV monitor in your head, all you do is see this last will and testament being read where you hope you've been written into the will. And so we don't even necessarily know our motives, do we? In this. So, and again, how secure do you feel with this model? I don't know, but I'm, you know what? It's interesting thing here, just bringing this out for historic, um, uh, historic thing for you and me to look at here is look, here's, here's the Quran, Surah or chapter 23, verse 102, 103. This is interesting. Then those whose scales are heavy, they are successful. And those whose scales are light are those who lose their souls in abiding hell. So when I read this, I thought, you know what? For a decent amount of my life, my theology was more Muslim than it was Christian. Maybe cultural Christian. Because there's a lot of Christianity today that's running around in terms of old line denominations that doesn't look very much like the Bible. I'm not saying that to judge them myself. I'm just judging against what the Bible says and where many of these denominations have gone. So there's a cultural Christianity that the Bible would argue is not Christianity necessarily at all. It may, Jesus' name may be inserted into there, but not the Jesus that's found in the pages of the scripture. So it's God great, great on, great on uh, uh, in terms of scales, in terms of weighing our works. Again, if he does, how secure can you be? How secure can you be? I'd say not very secure. Now, but maybe heaven is just kind of, you know, just kind of boring up there. You know, chubby little angels strumming on harps, clouds. I mean, what are you going to do up there? Well, let's just say God decides to make up a game show. Okay, God makes up a game show. Why not? Okay, and just, you know, just sing this thing, just kind of liven things up a little bit. And uh, the game show, uh, you hear the heavenly harps now. Uh, the game show is called Hot or Not. Okay, now... The way you, the way you, we could stop, could you stop now? Okay, all right. Now, the way you play hot or not is, uh, wait, first you have to be dead, okay, to play hot or not. So we're going to invite some of you to play dead for just a, for just a little bit, and we're going to play dead. Now, the way you play hot or not is that there is a roulette wheel, and this roulette wheel is a massive roulette wheel of all the people that have ever lived. And, and the angel Michael, who happens to be in the back of the room, is going to going to spin the roulette wheel and it's going to go around and whoever it stops at next to you, if you are better than they or they are better than you, will determine whether you are hot or not. Doesn't this sound like a great game? Okay, now I'm doing this because I, I'm doing this because I want you to be really secure, leave here about, secure about what you, what you believe. So, okay, that's Benicio. You want to play hot or not? It doesn't matter. You're going to play. Okay. <laughs> Okay, now, Benicio, when you, I'm gonna, Michael's going to spin the roulette wheel, but you're going to say really loud, say stop, and we'll know who, whether you are hot or not. Okay? Spin the wheel, Mike. Stop. Let's see what happens if anything happens. Whoa. You can stay. I think. Mom, can he stay? You guess? You guess? Wow. Wow. All right, Dominic, you ready to play hot or not? All right, spin the wheel, Michael. 
Oh. I guess he's good. He's good. Okay. Wife says good. All right. Who are we going to get here? I should do you, Jack. But I'm going to go to Mario. All right, sir. Let's find out. Michael, spin the wheel. Oh. Security. <laughs> now, isn't that about the dumbest thing you've ever seen in your life? Um, <laughs> um, but really, think about this. Curve? Scales? Obviously, hopefully not this. Uh, but the scripture is really clear that God does not want us to think life and where we end up is a crapshoot, is some roulette wheel, is some flip of a coin, arbitrary, directionless, luck, none of that, none of that at all. But let me ask you this question. Let's say, and I know you enjoyed your meal tonight, but let's just say Finally, the chef decided to, to poison the food, all right? And all of a sudden, and, and the reason you know, not everybody's meal was that, but some people's food was poisoned. And the reason you, you know that, let me just tell you right now, the symptoms are you're feeling sleepy. Okay, it has nothing to do with my talk. It has everything to do with the food. And the next thing you know, you just slumped over dead. Okay, now just kind of go there with me for a minute. Not... not Here's where I want you to go. And you're standing in front of Jesus. All right? You there? And he asks you a question. Now, I want you to think. Now, think. I mean, already. I mean, if this were to be true, okay, we'd be changing our underwear at this moment. But if this were to be true and he asks you a question, he is staring you in the face, love, deep love, and says to you, why should I let you into my heaven? Now think about that question. Is your mind running to scales? Curve? Is your mind running to what you have done and what you haven't done or what you wish you'd have done? Or is it going somewhere else not focused on what you have done but what Christ has done? See, the scripture says this. For if it, salvation, that is a relationship with God, full forgiveness, full acceptance, is by grace. Okay, grace, just, just to get a, give you a definition, brief definition of that word, is, means unmerited favor. Receiving that which we don't deserve. Okay, so if it is by grace, now look, now look at this now, it is no longer on the basis of a validating performance record. It is no longer on the base of your or my collective goodness at all. Now, if that's what the scripture says and the scripture is true, I can't run from this. Because this is just one of a multitude of scriptures corroborating this. If it's by grace, it can't be on by works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. Grace is no longer grace. In other words, if I were to say to you, I want to give you 
whatever. I want to give you this for free. And you really want it. You really need it. Here it is for free. You don't have to pay me for six months. Is it free? No. So Jesus plus you keeping your collective works is not grace. It's not a gift. It's a delayed payment. That's not biblical Christianity. It may be cultural Christianity. It may be other things. But it is not biblical Christianity. It's either one or the other. So let me throw this out here again. Here's the religions of the world. Works-based. Faith. I'm not saying it's not faith. I'm not saying that biblical Christianity isn't faith. They're both faith. The question is, is the faith in the right object? In the, world, in the religions of the world, whether it's Islam, etc., my faith is really that what they're saying is true and I have to work to somehow earn acceptance. In biblical Christianity, my faith is not based upon my works, but the works of God through Jesus Christ to do for me what I can't do for myself because I know I've sinned. I know I'm separated from God. I know that just through the multitude of evidences of my life just today. But I'm accepted by and only by the gift that God gives of Jesus Christ and what I do with that. You see, it can't be both. I'm not asking you if you believe that. I'm just asking you, do you see that? It's either works, it's up to me, my validating performance record through whatever system of faith I have. Maybe none of these. Maybe it's the whatever religion that we're we've been talking about. But it can't be grace and works. It's one or the other. So what do I believe qualifies me for what the Bible says I need. And what do I need? The Bible says I need life. I need life. Now, my hope tonight is that, you know, we will leave here certain about what the Bible says is the way in which I can know God. And I can know that in the dash I have hope and I have God with me, and on the other side of my last heartbeat, I will be with him forever. My hope would be that that would be something you would walk here tonight, away from here tonight, sure of that you have that relationship or not. In other words, that you'll understand there's, there's, no, there's no, let's just call this a neutral ground. There is no neutral ground. You and I tonight are either here or here. I'm not telling I'm not saying that this is the truth, though I believe that this is the truth. I'm just telling you, you are either here or here, and however you want to name your faith position, just throw it up here with the other ones. But there is no neutral ground. There is no I got one foot here and I got one foot here. It's either grace or works. It can't be both. So tonight we're on page 24, now, I'd like you to just, you, know, you can write this down if you want, but because this is going to be contrary, this would have been so mind-blowing to me because I never heard this before, but 
If you want to just write this down, you don't have to write this down. I put, should have put it on the screen, but I didn't. But biblical Christianity is first about becoming someone. Biblical Christianity, you can just put BC if you want. Biblical Christianity is first about becoming someone before it's about doing something. See, how do we think religiously? We think it's, it's up to me. If it's going to be, it's up to me. That's how we think. And that's just not the biblical way of, of thinking. And that way, Christianity is first about becoming someone before it's about doing something is totally contrary to a validating performance record religion. Here's what is written in the scriptures in Paul's letter to the, to the Corinthians. He says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So Paul here is talking about the fact that we need to become new creations. Not just try to be a better version of ourselves. Just go to church more. Just give to the poor more. Go overseas and, and help the needy more. No, he's saying, if anyone is in Christ, and remember last week I told you we're going to spend a lot of time in this two-letter word, and we're going, to get, we're going to definitely be jumping in in just a minute. He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Now, remember last week, if you were here, you saw me uh, show you part of my anatomy uh, where I said that I was plugged into, when I was born physically, I was born physically alive, but spiritually separated from God. We talked about that last week and that I need to be the old has passed away. What he's saying here, this death and the separation, if I'm in Christ, I am given life in Christ. And that's what being a new creation and that's what biblical Christianity is really all about. So the Bible teaches this and it's going to be hard to grasp, but I'm just hang on here again. Don't believe me. Let's find out what the Bible says. The Bible says that you and I are born Physically, creations of God, not children of God. That's what the Bible says. We are born creations of God, but not children of God. But we are born spiritually when we become children of God. Again, let me just support that with the Bible. He came to his own, that is Jesus, came to the, to the Jewish people. Yet his own did not receive him. They rejected him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to, I underline this, you see this word? Okay. Become children of God. Can you become something you already are? I don't think so. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God to those who received him now last week William and I were trying to do something long distance and I apologize for trying to do something long distance but last week I, I said that this is a gift okay let's just say this is a gift and I've got Jack here Jack I want you to have this gift okay now Jack you need this gift your life depends upon this gift and I have procured this for you how much is it going to cost you 
It's a gift, Jack. Thank you. Okay. How much is it going to cost you if it's a gift? Zero. Zero. Can you work for it? If it's a gift? No. Good. Don't help him with the answers. Okay. Can you earn it if it's a gift? If it's a gift, can you earn it? No. Good. Okay. So I want you to have this. How much good is it doing you in my hand? Not too much. When does it do you good? When I get it. Would you like it? Okay, Good. now give it back, give it back. Okay, so, see, I can offer this gift to Jack, but until Jack takes it, it does him no good. He could say, I don't want your stupid gift. But to as many as received him, to those who believe in his name, you receive something because you believe it. I would hope you not receive something because you don't believe it. You receive, believe in his name, you have the right, the power, the privilege to become children of God a gift that is given freely that's what a gift is it's not a gift if it's not given freely and so here so in the gospel of John Jesus says this flesh gives birth to flesh but the spirit gives but gives birth to spirit you should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. Now, let me just back up real quick. Maybe you all have gone into the cha third chapter of John. There's this religious leader. His name is Nicodemus. He comes to Jesus at night. He says, Jesus, you must be from God because nobody could do the stuff you're doing. The miracles you're doing if God were not with him. And Jesus says to Nicodemus, you must be born again. Truly, truly, I say to you, you must be born again. So, I mean, I thought that was something Billy Graham made up. I did not know this was in the Bible because I didn't know what was, what was in the Bible. But flesh gives birth to flesh. Okay, hearing. Loria gives birth to Loria. Okay? Abbott gives birth to Abbott. Bergeron gives birth to Bergeron. But the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born Again, literally, in the Greek, means you must be born from above. A second time. First time I'm born, I'm plugged into spiritual death. But if I'm born again, the Bible says God takes me out of death and he plugs me into not just life, his life. He gives me his life. And if that's true, that's great news. So... The Bible teaches that the entire human race was born, we were born children of Adam. We, are, we were umbilically attached to Adam. We, we were inherited his spiritual DNA, as I said, plugged into death. So I want to share with you just, again, there's a lot of scripture that I'm kind of throwing at you here. And, but let's just look at this real quick. Therefore, just as through one man, sin entered into the world. Now, who was that one man? Okay, that is Adam. According to the Bible, that is Adam. And death, what is death? It, is it annihilation or separation? Okay. And death, separation from God through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sinned. In other words, we received the DNA Okay, I received Italian DNA. That's why I've got this, okay? I'm Italian. This comes with the territory. Shorter, but taller noses. That's what happens, okay? So, and, and, 
So, so death spread to all men. So I, as I inherit Italian genes, we inherit from Adam spiritually separated from God genes. That's what the Bible teaches. So then, as through one transgression, the day you eat of the tree of this fruit, of the, the fruit of this tree, you shall surely die. There resulted condemnation. That's death. Separation to all men, even so, through one act of righteousness. What do you think that would be? Yeah, the cross of Jesus Christ. There resulted justification, sins forgiven, and life to all men. Now, just a moment ago, I read you the scripture from 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come, life given to all. For as through one man's disobedience, Adam's, the many were made, that would be all of us, there is none righteous, not even one, all have sinned. The many were made sinners. Even so, through the obedience of one, the many will be made righteous. Now, look at the verb tense here will be made. Now, does it say will make themselves righteous? It doesn't say that, does it? Will be made. That means passive. That means somebody is operating upon you, for you, to make you something you can't make yourself. So for through one man's, Adam's disobedience, we were made sinners. Even so, through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. No longer dead in our sins, but given new life plugged into Jesus Christ. That's clearly what the Bible has to say. So let me just give you an idea what that looks like. So as the Bible says, for in Adam all die. So in the family of Adam, of Adam's race, we are separated from God. As a result of that, there's hell, there's death, there is separation. Now let me ask you this question. Um, who do I want? Chandler, let me just get you for a second. I know I'm maybe out of the camera. So you can, so, so, um, Chandler, um, let's say this is you. I know it doesn't quite look like you, but it, let's just say that's you. Um, if your mom and dad had never been, where would you be? Yeah, you wouldn't be, would you? Now, if your mom and dad's mom and dad had never been, where would they be? They wouldn't have been either. So if you go all the way back, who's your daddy? Right? So when you follow the line all the way back, do you see that? We inherit a spiritual death from our dad. It's not about fairness. That's just not fair. It's not about fair. This isn't fair. It's, I inherited this. Okay? So, but then God sends Christ into the world. Christ comes and lives, according to the scripture, a perfect sinless life. Dies the death I deserved. Live the life I couldn't live. So in Adam, all die, but in Christ, the many shall be made alive. Now, before I go any further with that, let me pull this out. So let's just call this Adam, and let's just call this cup in Christ. In Adam, in Christ. So in Adam, all are separated from God. 
in Christ, in Christ, the many shall be made alive. Well, how do I get from Adam to Christ without this being some kind of magic act? Okay, well, if I, to as many as received him, to those who believe in his name, to them he gave the right to become a child of God. And so what happens is this, he takes us out of Adam, places us into Christ, and the Bible says, therefore, if Chandler is in Christ, Chandler is a new creation. Chandler, who he was in Adam, is gone, and he is now given new life through the very life of Christ, which is acceptable to God. And God sees Christ's life when he sees Adam. He places Adam into Christ. And everything that Christ was and did is now put to Chandler's account. That is amazingly good news. Taken out of the family of Adam and placed into the family of Christ. Because you don't want to be in Adam's family. That would be a damn shame, really. <laughs> okay. So, so here's the question, really. What if God wants us to be sure? Do you think God's plan, turn off the lights and move the furniture around? What if God wants you and me to be sure? Is there anything biblical to support that? Because I've heard people say this so many times. Well, I hope I'm going to heaven. Hey, you going to heaven? Hope so. Hey, do you, do you think you have a relationship with God right now? Well, I hope so. I went to church Sunday. You know, I said my prayers last night. Yeah, but do you, do you, do you think you're going to go to heaven? I think so. Pretty good guy. Yeah, yeah. But does the Bible have an answer for that? Can I be sure of what I believe? Well, let's just see what the Bible says. This is John's letter. Okay, this is not the Gospel of John. When you throw, see a one in there, John has written letters to those who are in Christ. No longer in Adam, in Christ. And so this is what John writes. And here's the testimony that God gave us. Okay, you see, that you earned eternal life and God had to give you something. No, that doesn't say that. That God gave us eternal life. And where's this life? In his son, he who has the son has the life. He who does not have the son of God does not have the life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the son of God so that you may hope you have eternal life. Keep your fingers crossed. Pray you have eternal life. This is what the word says. That you may know you have eternal life. There's no stronger word in the Greek language. For knowing something than this word right there. There's several words in the Greek to know something. Like to know someone, to know something, to know intimately. So that you may know you have whose life? Christ's life, which is eternal life. See, if anyone is in Christ, he, she becomes a new creation. The old has passed away and everything becomes 
new is what the scripture tells us. So the word of God tells us, we're on page 25, if you were following, because I wasn't. The word of God tells us God is the initiator. He is the one who pursued us. The only reason I have any sense at all that there may be a God is because God put that into human beings. He, according to the Bible, pursued us first. I was not looking for him. Do you hear me? I was having a ball. I was running away from him. And he tackled me before I got to the end. And I am so much more than so very forever grateful. So he pursued us first. Here again, we'll go back to Paul's letter to the church at Rome. But God shows his love for us. God demonstrates his love for us. God reveals his love for us. In that while we were still in Adam, doing our own thing, the hell with everybody else, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified, declared not guilty by his blood, his blood, the Bible says, washes away, completely covers and wipes out our multitude of sins, past, present, and the ones we don't even know we're going to commit yet. We'll talk more about that later. Much more, having been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved out of Adam into Christ by him from the wrath of God. Let me give you another scripture here from the Gospel of John. Here's Jesus speaking. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. And they follow me. And look what it says here. I give eternal life to them. And they will never perish. I'm going to die here in the dash. But in Christ, you continue. Christ is in us the moment we receive him. But though our bodies don't continue past the dash our souls and our spirits do forever they will never perish and look at this and no one will snatch them out of my hand you think you got a better grip than god you think you can rip something from his hands i give eternal life to them that's pretty good that's pretty amazing. We have security, the Bible says, because we're birthed into and joined to and held onto by God, not ourselves, not our validating performance record, not our meology, not our trying to just be a little bit better than the best person we know. So you see in your manual there, but it says faith is taking God's promises and daring to believe them. Right? Faith is taking God's promises and daring to believe them. What does that mean? A response is necessary. Let me give you an example. About 164 years ago, there was a guy by the name of Charles Blondin. He strung a tightrope across, not Niagara Falls, but if you go back this way outside the picture, there's something that the fall, when the falls come down, it goes down and then it ends up in these rapids. 
And he set up his tightrope in the rapids. People have, believe it or not, fallen from here and survived. No one has ever survived falling into the rapids because it is just jagged rock the whole, the whole way. And um, he, he strung a, his tightrope across the rapids in front of a lot of people. And he did amazing things. Uh, he actually even cooked breakfast. I don't know. <laughs> There's pictures of this. And he, he uh, carried people across on his back. And he actually, um, he actually took someone and put them in a wheelbarrow. Now, let's all go there for a minute. And let's say Blondin comes up to the crowd and you're all the crowd and you're applauding. We're all just amazed by what he's done. And he says um, to you, I can take a man, put him in a wheelbarrow and take him from one side of the falls or the rapids to the next. Lathan, do you believe me? You do? Then get in. (laughs) Now, I can say I believe. I can give mental assent. Oh, sure, I believe you can do it. But am I going to put my posterior in that wheelbarrow? You go first. So believe is not mental assent. Not, some, not just saying, oh yeah, I, I believe that. <laughs> Believing is getting in the wheelbarrow. Now, there are many... That, and I, and next week, I'm going to finish up this analogy because there's more to this analogy than that. And yes, again, that's trying to get you to come back. Yes. Um, but so you can be here tonight. Maybe you've been here these weeks and you fall into maybe three categories. One, you're curious. You haven't considered what the Bible has to say. Maybe because you don't know what's in the Bible, just like me. I had no idea what was in the Bible. But you're curious. You're interested to find out more. I don't know if you believe any of this stuff or not, but you're here. Hey, can I thank you for being here, curious? Really? Thank you for being here and letting us get to know you and hang out with you and talk with you. Or maybe, you know, you've grew, you grew up religious. You went to church. You went to parochial school. You say your prayers. You do all that stuff. But what I'm talking about is not what you're talking about. It's not about getting in some wheelbarrow. It's not about committing 100% of myself to what we're talking about here. I mean... We're going to talk more next week about the Bible. You know, you know God helps those that help themselves. I mean, come on. Let's, let's be real. So you're convinced you, you believe about him, but you've never said, I surrender my all to you. Do you see the difference? Mental assent and maybe religious conviction, but not wholehearted surrender. You're convinced. Or maybe you're here, or maybe you're considering this. Being committed. Now, committed does not mean I'm committing myself to do better. No, it's the exact opposite. It's I'm surrendering so that I am committing myself to you. I'm committing myself to your commitment to get me from one side of the rapids to the next. And for the sake of the analogy, let's just say one side of the the, uh, rapids is the end of life. Getting across is the tightrope. And then taking the rest of the way. You see that? And so committed is not my commitment to pull myself up on my bootstraps, try harder, do more. No, it's total surrender. 
when I get into that wheelbarrow, how much help does Blondin want? How much does he need? He's looking for me to stay still and watch him take me from one side to the next. See, this is what life in Christ is. Christ himself carrying me through life into the next life. Now, let me just give you another example real quickly about that. Between believing about and believing in. Um, Let's say Annette and I are, um, we're going to be married. And we're standing, gone through all the rigmarole, and I'm standing before, we're standing before the, the preacher, and we're at that part. And he says, Frank, do you take Annette to be your wife? And I say, well, preacher, she's gorgeous. And I'd be proud to have her on my arm. And he says, well, Frank, we all agree. She's beautiful. But do you take her to be your wife? Well, uh, she's a pretty good cook. And I know I'll never go hungry. Well, Frank, uh, we've tasted Annette's cooking and we agree. She's a good cook. But do you take Annette to be your wife? Well, she's got a rich dad. And the day he kicks, we're going to be in pretty good shape. So, but Frank, do you take Annette to be your wife? You see, I can believe all the right things about Annette and never say two words. You know what those two words are, don't you? I do. Because until I say I do, I'm saying I don't. I can believe all the right things. I can find myself in all the right places. But until I say all of me belongs to all of you from this day forward, better, worse, sickness, health, richer, poorer, Until I put this earth suit off and I'm with you forever. That's where I was. I was convinced. I had no idea what it meant to fully say I do to God. And what that meant. So the word of God tells me that God is the initiator. He has come to me. He has told me I have a need that is greater than any I can meet. It's the greatest need in my life and no human being can not even myself can remedy the need that I have. Do you know that you have a need that you yourself cannot satisfy? You yourself cannot remedy. You have no earthly answer for. I, I, I would humbly say until we get to that point we, this is just interesting information. And again, thank you for coming, wherever you may be. So secondly, we see here that it is the work of Jesus. Here's what Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, to those who are in Christ. He says, for it is by grace you have been saved, forgiven, accepted, given new life. Through faith. And that is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works. 
so that no one can boast. It's by grace, through faith. It's not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. Not by validating performance record. So that I can say, I did it. I was good enough. I did this, 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 this. It's not that at all. It's the work of Jesus. You know, I was thinking about this and thinking that 2,000 years ago, when Jesus hanged from the cross, I mean, just kind of try to go there for a moment in your mind. See yourself standing at the foot of that cross. His body bloodied and beaten beyond anything you could ever imagine. It's hard to even look at what has been done to this body. Back in ribbons, blood pouring profusely from the wrists and the feet and the head where these thorns this side have been driven into his head, beaten on the verge of death. And he looks you square in the eye with all the love you could have ever seen embodied. And right before he dies, he calls your name and says, I do. I just want you to hear, this is the truth. That I do running through the canyons of time, through the centuries, through the millennia, right into this room, right into your hearing, right into your heart. I do. When one says I do for the covenant to be completed, the other one must say I do. I was just an I do away. Maybe tonight you're just an I do away. You could I do him right now. But if you believe and you receive, you're taken out of Adam, you're placed into Christ, you become a new creation. No one will ever snatch you out of his hand. You are his now and forever. And you are fully forgiven. And what does that do? It changes the way we live. We get changed on the outside. We begin to change. We get changed on the inside. We begin to change on the outside. Ah, I'm going to skip this real quick. Just for time. So the number three is the witness of the Spirit. When you say I do, just like I said I do, and many people in this room have said I do, and I want you to encourage you to ask the people at your tables tonight, your, their, your hosts, well, what happened to you? You sense the change when you get in the wheelbarrow, when you say I do. For some it's subtle, for others it's fireworks. I've, every story I've heard is a different, wonderful, unique, mind-blowing, tears-creating of joy story. Let me just give you some evidence of being in the wheelbarrow, evidence of saying, I do. Here's a, just have a new and a different love for God 
and others, those people that drive you crazy, still drive you crazy, but maybe not as badly as they did before or not at all. You can't explain it. I could not explain it. It's a change of attitude, a change of motivations. Uh, you feel a peace. I've heard this so many times. It's like I had a thousand pounds lifted off of my soul. More aware of self-centered speech and thoughts. I'm just, I'm just more aware of what a narcissist I can be. How complaining and grumbling and just self-centered I am. Uh, then certain things don't interest you as much as they used to or at all. I've heard people tell stories of drug addictions, gone. Other addictions, gone. That doesn't happen all the time, but that does happen. And more. I don't have time for more. But this is what he does. Why? Because you aren't joining a denomination or a different kind of church. You're joining your dead life to the alive life of Jesus Christ. And in doing that, you are no longer dead in your sins. You are plugged into his life and he will never leave you nor turn his back on you. That's the promise of the scriptures. So, tonight, um, as I'm closing this, I, I just want you to know that out of the, the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If the abundance of your heart tonight is simply two words, and you mean that with your heart, I do, Jesus means take over. I surrender. Do I know what that means? Okay, how many of us in this room are married? Okay, did you have any idea what I do meant when you said I do? I promise you, it's better. <laughs> as good as it's been for me, it's better. He never leaves. He never turns his back. He comes that we might have life and have it fully comes to take us out of death and place us into life. That's how we can be sure of what we believe. Not because of our validating performance record, but because of his record of performance, which validates us before God when we say, I do. Okay, let's take a break. Uh, thank you guys for coming. Thank you guys for watching live stream or video delay. We hope to see you here next week. Oh, by the way, next week... Next week, real quick, we are not going to be in session five. We're going to jump to six. How and why do I read the Bible? So really fun next week as we talk more about the Bible and how we get into the Bible and read that. So thank you guys again for being here.